Prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. You bet your ass, baby. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. Hey, folks, it's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday, anywhere you get your podcast. Thank you for checking it out and being here. Hope everybody is doing well. And I am excited to be getting ready to host M3 coming up this weekend in Columbia, Maryland. I'll see you there if you are attending. It's been great to be back out on the road and connecting and meeting so many great rock fans and being a part of so many great shows. I've got uh, M3 this weekend. Then I've got uh, Parker, Colorado, outside of Denver, July 7th, hosting an acoustic show with Kip Winger. And that'll be happening at Deep Space Parker. July 11th, you can catch me at Rolling Hills Casino, Corning, California, hosting Skid Row, Warrant, Winger, and Autograph. July 31st, hosting Warrant and Eric Martin, Sweetwater Pavilion, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Many more events, all on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. Come on out and see me if I'm headed your way. Please be sure to follow me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook. eddytrunk.com is the homepage where you'll find those appearances and much, much more with ticket links. As I mentioned to you guys every week, the interviews you hear on my podcast originated and happened live on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation Heard Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Channel 106. Re-airs anytime you want on the SiriusXM app. And, of course, every night, the re-air, 10 to midnight Eastern, on Channel 106. You only listen to the podcast, you're getting a tiny fraction of what I do on a daily basis on the radio show. This is just a sampling. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, Hope you join me for the live show each and every day. We got two huge interviews for you this week. We start with a guy that I've never interviewed before, but had a great conversation with, and that is Chris Robinson of the Black Crows, followed by the legendary Billy F. Gibbons of ZZ Top talking about his new solo album and more. Now, if you are a SiriusXM subscriber, both of these interviews have video as well, which you can see on the app. We're going to bring you, of course, the audio here this week on the podcast. Chris Robinson talking about the Black Crows and their upcoming tour. Billy Gibbons talking about his upcoming solo record. What a double dip this week on the Eddie Trunk podcast. But we begin with Chris Robinson, lead singer of the Black Crows. I've been doing this for a very long time. Amazingly, this is the first time I ever interviewed Chris Robinson. We had a good mutual friend, which you'll hear about, and... uh we uh, had a great conversation, and I've always been a Black Crows fan, so I was really excited to have this opportunity to talk to Chris and get into a bunch of different things. Billy Gibbons coming up, but right now, enjoy Chris Robinson on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It's a great pleasure to be joined by a guy that I've been a fan of his and his band for, well, since day one. 
and they are going to celebrate the 30th anniversary, maybe a year or two late, thanks to COVID, uh, of their debut album, Shake Your Moneymaker. Joining us right now, lead singer of the Black Crows, Chris Robinson. Chris, thanks for the time, man. Good to uh, have you on. How's things going, okay? Things are going fantastic. We're super excited to uh, finally get out and, and play a little music, hopefully see some music this summer, and you know, like anyone else, just get back a little bit back to normal and, you know, have respect for our fellow man and uh, all that kind of stuff. We'll try to maybe put out some vibes. You know, I think so much of the last couple of years have been dictated by fear and ignorance that it's time to kind of take it back with <laughs> some reality and stuff, you know. You know, we were talking before we came on the air about family and you were telling me about your kids. And uh, I think you said 17 and 11 were, were the ages on your kids. And right. we were just talking about all that. I mean, the last year, year and a half for a lot of musicians who have been unable to tour, it's been a great thing for them to be able to be around and reconnect with family. Is that something you've been able to do? What, what's been the what's the last year that was derailed the year or so been like for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I'm 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 lucky to have two amazing kids. I'm unlucky that uh, they're with two different uh, relationships, two different moms. So one lives in L.A., one lives in Woodstock. So I got to see the L.A. one, my son, Ryder. Uh, but I didn't get to see my daughter for quite a long time, which was hard. But I mean, I think the rock and roll part of life is like they're they're both used to dad being on tour, you know, um, so we have a, I think we have a really great relationship in terms of like, okay, dad doesn't go to work and come home every day. He, this is what he does. And, you know, now they're older, they have different, they'll, and getting older, they have different access to be with dad. And you know what I'm saying? Um, but I think the whole thing, like for millions, you know, I mean, the, the, the idea that millions of people's trajectory has been changed, that we've all had to deal has made it easier, you know what I mean? As opposed to kind of wallowing in some sort of, oh, you know, uh, you know, it's just, oh, it's horrible. But it's tough, it's been tough. I mean, I love being at home. I've, I've, I've got to, you know, I'm always reading, but I got to read twice as much as I normally would. I've really upped my French cooking skills. <laughs> uh, you know, we listen to a lot of music and I think, uh, I think a lot of people, um, you know, great days and bad days, you know what I mean? But really under the microscope of um, of what that means, you know what I mean? Like really, some days I just don't think I could have got out of bed, man. You know what I'm saying? It just felt so overwhelming and so horrible. And but here we but but we you know, that's but life's that way anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like True. I, yeah. I think it's it's uh, it's adolescent to think that we're not, you know. And the same thing about being in, a, you know, I'm the I love that I that rock and roll has been my career and my job for over three decades. But that doesn't take away from depression and uh, you know bad things happening or you know things out of your control or whatever, you know. So I think of anything the the musician and the artist. I think we're built to. Um, we're built to to deal a little bit, you know what I mean. We're built to to have a little uh, flexibility in there. 
Yeah, well, no doubt. Now, what's in? We're going to talk about this tour coming up because it is finally going to happen, and the dates have been reannounced. But just in 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 terms of the la- the tour was supposed to happen already, and we all know it was derailed. But in the time that uh, you did have home, you listen to music, you read books, you work on your cooking. Did you write music? Did you did you think about? And is there talk of another Black Crows record? Did you and your brother maybe get yeah, together yeah, on that definitely. front? I mean, it's funny because Rich and I, you know, the for 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 whatever we've been through, uh, the one thing that we've always managed to, our one place where we were always (laughs) like the most together and never any, I mean, you know, we fought on stage, we fought backstage, we fought in an Italian restaurant in Berlin, we fought at this, you know, it's like, but when we're writing, it's always been our like sweet spot, you know? And yeah, the, you know, it's been amazing to get, to where Rich and I are today. Uh, and we're in a great, great place as brothers and as partners in this band and as songwriting partners. So we've written about 20 new Black Crows songs. Wow. Um, which has been really cool. And, and you know, we're really, and, you know, this whole idea of the shake your money maker thing has really brought a lot of focus back to like, wow, how much I fucking love rock and roll music. <laughs> Oh my God. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's all right, man. No out. problem. <laughs> Chris has got a dog barking and people knocking and it was totally it was totally quiet before we went on the air. And then as soon as we went live, everything went crazy. <laughs> I know my dog has been sleeping, my Jamaican street dog. She's been sleeping all day and she's like, oh, but sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. So 20 um, new songs. Yeah, then like rock and roll songs, you know, I think this Shake Your Moneymaker is really inspired, you know, visiting that record and that being our presentation has really inspired Rich and I to like, you know, to to quote the MC5 to kick out the jams a little bit and really refocus on, you know, all the things we love about the power of rock and roll and the rawness, you know, Shake Your Moneymaker was our most concentrated effort of rock, you know, um, we went off into so many different things after that. Uh, I mean, I think rock and roll is always the bloodline, you know, through all of it, but just like, you know, from the Stones faces to ACDC and, you know, it could even be X and the circle jerks and black flag, whatever we were in, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff is focused and we're kind of back there, you know, and, so it's been super fun. We're not in a real hurry to get in the studio. You know, our focus is this tour and the touring and uh, kind of celebrating, you know, the Black Crows and uh, what we've done and where we started. You know, um, I'm curious because you talked about the relationship with your brother and that it's been it's the strongest it's been in a long time, which is great to hear because I think myself and others may have been worried that in the year so that you've everyone was derailed, the downtime, you know, what do they say about idle minds? That they, yeah, we, yeah, could yeah. Have, we could have heard the Black Crows imploded before you got off the mat, but it sounds like the time, that, that time has maybe even strengthened things a bit between you. I think, you know, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, you know, I, the sort of build up to where we were going has been so good. And, <clears throat> but I was kind of like, I mean, I don't think we would have had any issues on the road, but not being on the road has just given us time to 
how are the kids? You know, our mom's 82 years old. Rich lives in Nashville where mom lives. It's been tough with her and COVID. Like, how's mom? <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's funny, like family in general, you know, my, the kids are a big part of also why it's been nice to reconnect and have this relationship. Cause you know, my daughter's like, by the way, what's the deal with Uncle Rich? You know, <laughs> I'm like, you have to start, you know, in a very transparent, you know what I mean? Because they know they're not going to take any shit, you know, they're like, what is it? So you really, you know, I'm 54 years old and Rich just turned 52. We have to really dig deep and look at it, you know what I mean? And I think we're in such a cool place where we both agree we're agreeing on everything we we're in each other's lives on a daily basis we're super proud and happy where this tour is you know turning out to be fantastic and we have great team in place you know what i mean we have people around us who are i think the main the main concern isn't like how much money can we get off of them and the work you know and it's more like well, you know, if Chris and Rich are together, that's where the real power of this thing starts from. That's the soul of this band. And that's the energy it takes to do something. I think the Black Crows have, in a world of amazing rock and roll bands of all sorts of styles, shapes, colors, sounds, textures, that we've been unique in our, in our, in our trip, you know, that we've been on. And I think that's the real focus is to keep Rich and I in a place where we feel good, you know what I mean? Where we feel good about the dynamic you know where it's like wow anything you know let's be positive you know um i think the last 10 years of our solo projects and uh i i kind of think like oh i went off into the wilderness of deep psychedelic hippiedom and wandered around on an alien planet and um <laughs> and i need and and rich in his own way did it too and if we hadn't i don't think if we hadn't made, made if we hadn't made that break you know what I mean? Then it would be, hold on a second. What are you doing? <laughs> we haven't made time. that. It's the dog. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I know. If, Go we ahead. Had, if, if we hadn't made that break, I don't think we would have been in the place to to be where we are today, you know? So take a, take a negative thing and turn it into a positive thing, you know? Yeah, well, it's great to, it's great to hear. And when you reference, obviously, the history of the Black Crows, I mean, having been on board with the band from day one. When the band came out, it was in the teeth of the whole MTV, you know, hard rock world. You were so different than that. Uh, the, even to this day, the Black Crows have been uniquely its own thing. I, I saw you perform at the Will Turn uh, a few years ago You did at, when you did the Black Crows set, when you did As the Crow Flies. I was oh, at right. that show. And oh, cool. and I've never I never saw the will turn more packed in my life, and I thought the set was fantastic. And you had Audley up there with you, and I think it was Marcus right. King playing guitar. And did did that? I I wondered because you look like you're having so much fun up there. You were uh, dancing around the whole night, singing great, playing all those great songs. Did did that play any role, Chris, in in reigniting your interest to reconnect with Rich and do this? You know what? It completely did. I mean, and as great as all those people you just named, that whole band I was, I thought was fantastic and we had so much fun. But yeah, you know, it is funny because, you know, I'm like, oh wow, it had been a long time since I had been that front man, you know what I mean? And it, yeah, definitely starts the wheels turning of, this is really good, but you know, the Black Crows are another thing and that's me and Rich and, and, 
and you know how life goes, man. I mean, it's about so many things come into play and so many people play it close, you know, because it's showbiz and, but you know, depression is real. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, for, you know, you, I've had great moments and I've had really down moments and, you know, this overwhelming melancholia like exists. But in the last, you know, five years or whatever, my marriage, you know, my, my, my wife is, who's a deep, deep rock and roller and punk rock lady in the world, you know, has just helped a million things too, you know what I mean? To kind of like, you know, I don't want to have any negative feelings about the Black Crows and my family. I don't want to have any regrets about what could be, you know what I'm saying? So it's cool to get to move into a different <clears throat> time of life, you know what I mean? And, and be like, wow, to really see it for what it is. And maybe to understand like, you know, it, you know, it doesn't go on forever. I mean, yeah, you could be the Rolling Stones or but that's the Rolling Stones, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, they're, right, like, right. they're like the ones, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like they're, they're responsible for a lot of bad behavior and cool records, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> Uh, just to have a cool perspective and to see it. And and it is, I do have to say the one thing about Rich and I as well, and it it was difficult for people, especially in our early days, we believe the mythos of rock and roll. You know what I mean? We understand the magic of rock and roll. It affects us. When I, you know, I was laughing. I have a, I have a you know, Rolling Stones logo tattooed on my arm. And just for whatever reason, yesterday we were, my wife and I were listening to Sticky Fingers and I was like, wow, I like, I, I forget, I love the stones so much. I want to go get another stones tattoo of the same one on the other <laughs> arc. But and did you? Did you? No, yet? Not yet. Right. <laughs> no, By the time yet. the tour starts, you'll have one on each arm, maybe? But it's the same thing I was telling you. My 11 year old loves Guns N' Roses. And, you know, I hadn't listened to like Appetite in a long time. And this was last summer, and we were driving up to the, up to Mendocino County. And I was like, let's listen. We listened to the whole thing. And I was like, oh my God, this record is great. We had so much fun listening to it. Or I could listen to what, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, like, wow, I love, it's more than ever, I, I want loud guitars and rock and roll. I wish, I wish rock and roll was full of, you know, a hundred Axl Roses or Courtney Loves or whoever's been difficult or weird, you know what I mean? Like it just, everything is so- <laughs> Or Chris Robinson's man, throw yourself in there too. All right, I'll throw myself. You know, for one sure. thing rock and roll for us older, a little older people, rock and roll is about defiance, not compliance. And, and that could be in a number of things, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, I'm not past some of that original interest and original, uh, love of that of what that is you know yeah you know there's a documentary coming out in a couple of weeks on kiss and i saw an advanced cut of it and bob ezrin the legendary producer who did uh, some of their records was talking in it and they were you know the the band was kind of the old same old story piling on their original lead guitarist ace freely and they were saying you know he was on drugs he was on alcohol he was reckless we weren't sure what and Ezrin cuts in now in an interview and he goes, you know what? Ace is the most, was the most rock and roll guy in the band. I was about to because say, I was about that, to say that's you described what all that the, element. Yeah. Yeah. People, you know, you described all the reasons why when I was a kid, I bought his solo record and none of the other. 
The other thing about the artists you mentioned, and yourself included too, and this is one of my biggest soapbox issues in the world, Chris, and that is the what I call epidemic of bands out there touring, playing not really live, you know, fakery tracks, uh, lip syncing. It's, it's maddening to me. It's insulting as a rock fan. It flies in the face of what rock and roll is about. And I've always given you guys so much credit and respect because you've never done that bullshit. You always come warts and all live when you hit the stage. And I, I think that's amazing. Uh, I mean, I mean, rock and roll is not about perfection. You know, building right. a bridge or a dam, that's about perfection. Right. You know what I mean? We're about vibes. And like you said, you know, and to me, rock and roll has to be like, you know, a little bit like this. And yeah, I'm I'm not interested in, we never were interested in exactly recreating something. And you know what, man, I, I, the muse is, she is a vengeful goddess and you have to always remember your devotion to her and she wants your devotion. And when you leave that, she becomes angry and she will take from you. You know, I honestly believe this. That, and, you know, it could, it's the same, you know, like I said, like the first time I had a fake ID and I snuck into the, the most amazing, like, punk new wave indie club ever was in Atlanta called the 688 club. And I had a, I, 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 I somehow took, I got a ticket back in, in Georgia in the eighties, they gave you a carbon copy of your license. That was your license till you paid your ticket and got your license back. Well, you could put cheap perfume on the carbon and remove it and just put another date on it. And I went and I saw the replacements on the Let It Be tour. And I walked in the club. I couldn't believe I got in. I walked straight to the front row. Like all of, well, Pete Buck and Mike Mills were, and Michael Stiper on the side of the stage. It's a tiny little place. It was like, but it was, you know, Shangri-La for us. And the replacements came out and Bob Stinson was still in the band. And he had a dress on and they were like drunken and wild. And it was so beautiful. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, that's, Again, the, the the feeling when those amps yes. come on, and you know what I mean, and it's like I I I still get that way when I see bands, you know, when I see band that I love, and or it could, but by the way, it could be any kind of music, but it has to be sincere, it has to be passionate. Yes. This tour, we don't have any in ears, and you know, like there are <laughs> monitors on the stage. I'm not the singer who's messing with his belt loop all the time trying to get it. <laughs> about air and energy and this vibration and you know that's what we like man you know that's I, i've been in a band with jimmy page he fucking plays loud that's what led zeppelin you know what i mean i've toured with acdc they're fucking loud you know what i mean especially when malcolm god bless him was alive you know what i mean um bands like that and that's the energy that's the energy you know Let's talk about the tour, and and uh, again, it kicks off July 20th and runs in the U.S. through September 25th, ending in Bethel, New York, and then you go over to Europe, the Black Crows celebrating Shake Your Moneymaker, their debut album. The, the band, Chris, that you're going to have, besides, of course, you and your brother, did I hear correctly that Sven is coming back to the band and that he's yeah. returning? Yeah, totally. We were so stoked to have our brother. I mean, I've Sven, we've all been in bands together and, you know, we, we all like moved out of our parents' houses together in 87. He was in another band, but yeah, we're super excited to have Sven back. Our, our band is 
chock full of amazing people. We have Isaiah Mitchell. I don't know if, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your audience knows the band Earthless. Great, great, maybe not metal, metal, but kind of stoner rock, uh, harder band, incredible three-piece band, incredible guitarist. The great Joel Robineau from one of my favorite bands of all time from Oakland called the Once in Future Band is on keyboards. We have Sven back and we have uh, Brian Griffin on drums. So we're really, really excited. And uh, yeah, we're getting ready to, you know, start rehearsals here in a couple weeks. And, you know, the first two dates are in Nashville. Uh, it's going really good, man. You know, I think, it, you know, for us to be excited about, play, you know, again, we've been <laughs> such an enigma sometimes to not just our audience, but to rock fans in general sometimes. Like, what are they? What are they doing? It looks like this one day, now it's like this or whatever. And um, I think, like I said, to focus on like, you know, so the presentation is Shake Your Moneymaker from start to finish. And then we play after that, we'll play a bunch of subsequent hits. And I think the most popular songs, the songs that our fans really want to hear. And I'm really excited to take the, the same energy we put into all this exploration and all this, these other statements we wanted to make, we're putting in even more into this sort of focused show in a way, you know, that we've never, we probably haven't done since 1992, you know. Is the show going to open with Shake Your Money Maker and are you going to play it in sequence? Yeah, we play it in sequence. That's the first hour of the show. Okay, and then you'll come back and do maybe another hour of, of other songs. Yeah, we're not, we're, just gonna, we're not even going to come back. We'll just roll right into like, you know, other songs from other records and stuff, you know. I'm a big By Your Side fan and a big uh, f and and you got to get uh, a conspiracy in there. That's one of my all time favorites. Uh, too. It's on the list. You know, I was we were laughing about the guys in the band, you know, in the mid 2000s or whatever, the Black Crows would we'd have 300 songs we could play at any night. You know what I mean? Whether it's, you know, a Manassas song or, you know, one of our songs or a deep B-side or unreleased tracks. But I think our, our working list right now is like 35 songs, you know? So it's like much more just boom, boom, boom. We want high energy, like I said, loud guitars. And, you know, we do what we do, you know, I think, we're, we're, we're in a place to really celebrate the Black Crows right now, Rich and I. You know, and I and I I feel I, that's what I feel the whole thing's about. You know, it had a suck though to be so ramped up, so ready to go. I know you did a bunch of promo. You were you played. You were on Howard Stern. You did a, a couple small club shows to warm up. Like you guys were right on the launching pad before things got shut down. That had to just suck. You had to be like, man, this really isn't meant to happen for us. <laughs> I know it's so funny because also we well, I think Rich and I just chalk it up to the Black Crows you know what I mean like, <laughs> the, the, in the summer of 92 we're like the biggest one of the biggest bands in the world and we go play festivals in Europe and like we're on Saturday night well Friday night was beautiful Saturday was pissing rain like everywhere we went we were like oh we were like Linus or whatever you know what I mean I was like <laughs> I was like oh my god um but you know what man like I said our, our team you know what I mean from Mark Didia you know, to CAA and Live Nation. We've never had such a strong backbone of people with vision and, you know, the kind of let's get it done mentality. And so, and, and like we were saying, it's been great to, for the first time ever, to try to deal with <laughs> real life, not tour life, you know? 
but I'm, but trust me, I'm ready for real life to be over. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of people are just a couple other quick things, man. And I'll, I'll let you go. So the plan is this tour. And then I know there's stuff in Europe where the black crows have always been very popular. And, and is this going to run for like a couple years celebrating shake your moneymaker and, you know, is there a time frame that you want to maybe record the, some of these 20 songs that you have written? What's the I mean, what's the projection? I think we still like to play it kind of loose. So, you know, like I said, getting this this year up and running. And then, of course, we have Japan and Australia, New Zealand, you know, eventually, hopefully South America can get it together because we have a lot of fans there. We were supposed to play. And then there's festival. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're definitely plugged in for the next couple of years, I think, before. But who knows? You know what I mean? If Rich and I feel like it, we'll be in the studio in January or whatever. You know what I mean? Like we kind of but it's definitely right now about focusing on the tour and 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 seeing what you know what I mean? And just getting out there and seeing what life's going to be like and. But, you know, we're excited, man. People, you know, we're selling lots of tickets. People are excited. They want, you know, we're one of the really first rock and roll shows to go out in America. So I think people will just be really fired up, you know. And how are you feeling? You know, I, I've always loved your voice. You're great on stage. You're always moving. Uh, you mentioned just a few minutes ago, I think you said you're 54, which certainly isn't old, but not young. But do you do you do anything to prepare for a tour to keep your 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 pipes in shape, to keep your your wind in shape because you're always moving? I mean, is there a process you go through? No, I mean, I mean, not especially. I mean, I try to like I want to like at least like try to walk four or five miles a day. But the singing is the singing. I've been doing it a long time. Uh, again, you know what I mean? I'm not a pop singer. I'm a rock and roll singer. And, you know, I probably don't have a, maybe as the same high notes that I had, like, of course, when I was in my twenties, but the, where my voice is, I mean, I, it, it, I think it's stronger than it was before. I mean, obviously, I mean, we don't, you know, I don't have the same chemical lifestyle I had in my youth and, you know, trying to balance like, you know, eternal uh search for bliss and uh <laughs> and like the job at hand you know but yeah th that stuff's different but i mean i it's also like kind of you get into tour shape a little bit you know what i mean it's a, but I, I, I we all feel good you know what i mean and everyone's so ready to go and it's not the first time around you know what i mean so it's kind of like you know what to expect i mean and all I'll really expect is to be sweating through my my outfits because it's summertime and we're like rocking and rolling and I'll be drenched in sweat every night. You uh you very uh casually mentioned a few minutes ago. Yeah, I played with Jimmy Page, which is still got to be a surreal thing to have come out of your mouth. Uh I still listen to Live at the Greek still all the time. I mean, it's just it's amazing. When you look back on having done that, uh I I I imagine it still as a fan kind of feels surreal to you. Yeah, definitely. It was funny because Rich was talking about it, you know, I'm, I'm so really proud of it. You know what I'm really proud of? Like a couple of years ago, I saw Robert and I hadn't, you know, I opened, I knew Robert before Jimmy. I mean, when I was 23 years old, I had to open for Steven Tyler and Robert Plant back to back, you know, uh, they don't really do front men anymore. <laughs> you know, there's not too many of us in that old school mold. 
but I saw Robert. I went to see him at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles, and I hadn't seen him in many years. And he was—he's so charming and so cool. And he gave me his blessing, and he said he thought I—I I, I had done a great job on the vocals. And you know, uh, you're around the world, and there's a lot of Led Zeppelin fans, man. And usually they come up and say, "Really? No, no one's ever said, hey, man, that ten years gone was bullshit or whatever.'" You know. <laughs> It's in our wheelhouse. You know, I think the thing about Jimmy and one of the reasons that that we hit it off so well musically and as friends was, you know, we had a lot of great nights after the show, like in my suite or whatever. And back then we still had CDs, you know, and I would always travel with literally a couple hundred CDs in this heavy case that the bellman would always be like, oh, no, I work at the hotel, not the Black Crows guy with his 500 pound <laughs> CD case. But like we would hang out and Jimmy would go through the seas like, oh, you have this record. Oh my God, you have this record. And we would just listen to records and a lot of blues records, you know, and stuff and R&B records and early rock and roll records. And, you know, again, I've all the people in my life that I'm friends with, no matter what kind of band they're in and a lot of, or anyone, it's, it's about records, man. It's about loving music and it's about, uh, let, you know, it's funny, like, Growing up, I did. We were into guitars and stuff, and I a band, let's just say like a band like Depeche Mode. I didn't even like Depeche Mode, and now like when I hear Depeche Mode or my wife plays a Depeche Mode record, I'm like, oh my god, every song is genius. You know what I mean? And it also has something to do with just where we are. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of craft. There's not a lot of imagination and a lot. You know what I mean? And so anytime I hear a great song, it's just a great song, and it makes me so happy and inspires me every day I hear something that inspires me Chris I still have all my CDs and I love them and people will take them from my cold dead hands because it's still my favorite <laughs> format and I still travel with them and I still play them and they still sound the best and I love them so yeah, I'm, I'm big time on the CD bandwagon I still want CDs now and thankfully they're still hanging in there but uh I'm with you 100% on that two quick things and I'll let you go you have an opening band joining you for this run that uh, you mentioned your, your, you mentioned Mark Dedia, who's an old, old friend of mine and is managing these guys as well as you. Uh, they are a fantastic young band on the road. Now I get compliments about them every day. Uh, Dirty honey. Uh, tell me about taking them out on the road and what you see in them as a young emerging rock band. I see. Well, one thing, they're very nice guys. I mean, I know Mark pretty much. I don't know the other guys that well. They're very clean to be named Dirty Honey. They, they smell good. <laughs> um, great rock and roll band. Mark's got great, great vocals. Uh, and I think the one thing that I like about any band is their sincerity, you know what I mean? And like, you can play any kind of music as long as it's to me, you know, there's a, there's obviously a difference between something that's, you know, obviously something contrived and something that's like really sincere. The sincerity shows the depth they want to work hard. They work really hard. They love rock and roll. I, I couldn't be happier to have a band like that out with us at this time and what we're doing. Um, kudos to them, man. They're doing great. But, you know, yeah. it's the same thing. There's no music business, but you go to Amoeba Records and there's a line out the door. You right. know what I mean? Like, there's no music. There's no rock and roll, but we're selling tens of thousands of tickets. Brock bands are selling thousands, tens of thousands of tickets, you know, all these bands. So it's funny that there's no rock and roll. Dirty Honey's doing great. They're a fucking rock and roll band. 
So it's there, you know what I mean? It's just like, I think it kind of makes it cool again as well that it's not the main thing, you know what I mean? And maybe it keeps some of the pretenders at the gate, you know? Yeah. Uh, but there's there's so much cool stuff. I'm, I'm just super happy for them and happy that they're on tour with us. Last thing, I couldn't let you go without asking you or bringing this up. Uh, you and I had a dear mutual friend that passed away a couple years ago, Neil Casal. And I know he played in your band and, uh, you know, we lost Neil. I, I guess it's been a couple years now, but. Two years I, in uh, August. Yeah. Yeah. When I think of, of uh, you, you know, I'm, you, I'm sure you remember this, but a few years ago, you and I met in the lobby at Sirius XM because I was talking to Neil and we That's were right. catching up and you were there because you were going to be playing. And I remember that you walked over to Neil and I talking and you looked at Neil and you go, so you weren't bullshitting me or something like that because, and, and, and you had walked away and I said to Neil, I go, what was that about? And he said something about you guys are on the bus and you used to watch my old TV show or something. And Neil had said that he grew up with me or whatever. And it was just you a really funny the, moment. You must be the only other person who remembers Neil's favorite Jersey hard rock band, SS Steel. Well, before that, he was in a band called Exire, E-X-I-R-E. I have the cassette. That's when I first met him. But yeah, uh, talk a little bit about Neil, if you will, for a second. I know you guys were close and I know that he was a big part of your band and it just sucks that we lost him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, you again, we lose so many people, but it's usually when you're younger, you know, whether it's drugs or an accident or, you know, what, you know, people taking their own lives. So you know, you feel sometimes that, you know, now you get older, you lose people to sickness and things, you know, so, but for this to happen, which it's still just a kick in the guts, you know, yeah. like I thought I'd been through some stuff and we all have, we've all been through loss and we all understand this kind of pain and, but for it to really, you know, the CRB especially started off as something so genuine and you know like beautiful i mean I, I know a lot of, it has nothing to do with my black crow's life or i didn't sing the same i play guitar we wrote all songs we were a psychedelic hippie band you know a roots oriented psychedelic hippie group and unashamedly so and neil was just unimaginably talented guitarist i mean besides the only other person that could ever get close to like his harmony singing with me was so special every night every single night uh i pushed neil really hard as a guitarist to kind of break out of the mold of where he was into something very different more expansive somebody more uh, available to improvisation and he took to that like a duck to water and and just uh, overall, I never, ever heard anyone have anything negative to say about Neil, you know, yeah. and that's really, that's, a, that's unbelievable in this business. And, um, you know, it's funny, I had a dream about him a couple months ago, and I don't dream like, like that, but it was so, and my wife wrote it down and put it on the refrigerator and Neil, <laughs> he came to me and he goes, I just want everyone to know I'm really happy now. I feel really good. And I don't want anyone to be mad at me. And I was like, and I woke up, I was like, wow, that was really heavy, man. That was yeah. really, really weird. Um, but it made me feel good, you know? And 
you know, Neil was like, Neil saw the Black Crows homecoming show from those live recordings from the box set. He was at that show in Atlanta. He saw us play in uh, Livonia, Michigan, like on our first tour opening for Junkyard. And, uh, you know, so he was, in, you know, he was a Stones guy and a Ronnie Wood guy, a Faces guy, a Humble Pie guy. He loved Free and Paul Kossoff and all this stuff that, we, you know, Neil and I would be on the bus late listening to that and the first couple of Aerosmith records and the other guys would be like, you know, if it's not the Grateful Dead, they're going to bed, you know. <laughs> so Neil was a real rock and roller at heart, yep. a great, great musician. And just, a, he, he will, he's always missed, man. Yeah, he is. That's why I wanted to mention him because I, I remember that story and laugh about it all the time because you had walked away and, and I said to Neil, I go, what was that about? And he goes, oh, he goes, we were just always talking about metal and how I knew you and your show and this and that. And he's like, because you just walked up and you're like, so it is true. And then you kind of <laughs> walked away. I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I remember, I remember. Anyway, man, thank you for, for some time here today, Chris. It's great to uh, talk to you. I hope you come back. And uh, I'm so psyched to see some of these shows. July 20th, kicking off in Nashville. The dates run through the end of September. Just go to the Black Crows website. You'll see them all there, all the ticket information. Shake your money maker to start in its entirety, and then about an hour of uh, other great Black Crows classics. Great to talk to you, man. Best to you and your family, and uh, see you on the road soon. It's only rock and roll, but we like it. You know what I mean? Thanks, Eddie. I appreciate it. Thanks to Chris Robinson. Looking forward to that tour. It was great to talk to him. Hopefully we'll do it again soon. Up next, Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug. But I ended up connecting to the world around me. A world where each sunset was painted. Where I felt adventures pulse with every step. And where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. Two interviews for you this week. It's a special expanded deluxe podcast this week. Right now, Billy Gibbons, a frequent guest on my show. He's got a new solo album out. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Here is the legendary voice and guitarist of ZZ Top on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It's always an honor to visit with this guy. You know him, of course, best as the singer and guitarist from the legendary ZZ Top. He also is here to talk about a brand new solo album called Hardware. It is the one and only Mr. Billy F. Gibbons. Billy, good to see you, man. Same here on this set. Always good to uh, reconnect. And uh, you're right, we're... Uh, we're uh, chasing fast and furiously on the on the uh, release of this new hardware uh, has got us uh, got us quite excited, man. Yeah, well, I want to talk about this and and a few things with you, but um, you know, just before we got on the air, I was telling my audience that I'm I'm buying a place in Vegas next week, and that I was telling them how many rock people have relocated there and live there, and we were talking off the air. You actually have a home there as well. And uh, it's a bit historic in some ways. Do you, can you share that with? I don't want you to tell the audience where you live. You don't need to give your address, but the house has got some pretty cool history, right? Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, they'd be hard pressed to find anything at the moment. It's 120 degrees today, <laughs> record-breaking record heat. Uh, so uh, I, I doubt if anybody'd be kicking up their heels and uh, tiptoeing down the avenues, but. Uh, uh, as we as we were fortunate enough to mention, the curtain seems to be rising across the country, and uh, 
we're we are absolutely delighted it looks like that uh we'll be hitting the road soon to make lots of loud noise <laughs> so so you uh so so have you hit the road yet have you played some shows yet with the band has there been anything yet or are you just ramping up to that oh actually i flew to nashville tennessee to play the uh, grand Ole opry a couple of weeks ago and uh, what a delight uh getting out and actually uh uh bringing the guitar in front of some folks it was uh back to uh back to square one we we uh you know, we we still get we still enjoy getting to do what we get to do, and that was quite a quite a bonus. As a guy that has spent uh, more than fifty years on the road and touring, both with ZZ Top and of course other things as well, what was the lockdown like for someone like you? Was it a bit of a reset and a recharge? Did you enjoy aspects of being stationary for a while, or did you just want to get back out there as soon as possible? Well, it was a balanced uh, or attempt to be balanced between both sides of it. Uh, on one hand, it's the first time in over five decades when I was able to spend more than three days in one spot. <laughs> oh my and then gosh. you look at it and say, well, uh, there was no choice. You had to stay in the same spot. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's funny you should bring that up. Uh, uh, I've got the I've got this new trio with Matt Sorm and Austin Hanks, and of course uh, I'll be going back in uh, uh, to meet Frank and uh, Dusty. Someone said, "Gee whiz," he said, uh, "You know, you you stay with this skinny lineup, a trio over here and a trio over there." Uh, particularly when it comes to ZZ Top, how did three guys manage to stay together for? five decades uninterrupted. And uh, as as you and I spoke about uh, the joys of home ownership, someone said, well, where where actually do you live? We know Los Angeles, Texas, Las Vegas. Now it's uh, back to living on a on a rolling house called a tour bus. It just <laughs> it just keeps changing towns. <laughs> You know, what do you attribute the fact to that you're the only band I can think of, maybe ZZ Top, and I think you two come to mind, that has never changed lineups? That's, I mean, there's bands that still have the original lineup, but but it's very rare to say the entire history, and you guys, like you said, over 50 years, the same three guys, it's it's truly remarkable. Is, do you have anything you can attribute that to? That I don't, that's rarefied air. Separate buses. <laughs> Three guys, three buses, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that if that's all it takes, there's got to be more than that because if that's all it takes, every other band would be doing it. Every yeah, other man. band would have separate buses. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me about the hardware record, Billy. How did this come together? You mentioned Matt Sorum. I know he's a big part of it as well. Former Guns and Roses drummer. You have history with him. Tell me about this record and putting it together. Well, Matt, uh, both Matt and Austin Hanks uh, unexpectedly uh, uh, rang me up and announced that they were coming to scoop me up and drag me out to a, uh, a recording studio, uh, what they said was in Joshua Tree, 
and I inadvertently referred to the one and only studio that I knew about called, uh, it was David Ketching's place called Rancho de la Luna, where I had worked uh, recently with uh, Josh and Queens of the Stone Age. And uh, both Matt and Austin said, oh, you're close, you're close, you're getting close. It's across the street. And I thought, gee, I don't know of another studio. What they didn't tell me was when they said across the street, it was across the street and 20 miles. <laughs> <laughs> literally out in the middle of the desert but uh you know the 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 interesting aspect is the when you're surrounded with nothing the good news is that uh the way out of it is to start doing something and i guess to answer your question that's really how the record started so did you do it during the pandemic did you was this a product of the lockdown and you got you having the time yeah, they called back in June, and we we uh, we arrived uh, thinking that we were just going to spend I don't know maybe thirty minutes having a look at this uh, studio, but you know uh, checking out a room with four walls and no windows doesn't take much time. But those thirty minutes turned into thirty days, which turned into month after month. We never we walked in and never left. It was uh, it was pretty. Uh, Pretty, pretty enticing. So as far as writing the material, did you do it all on the spot at the studio or did you go in with stuff? Uh, we showed up with blank paper and a pencil. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And you but, just worked, uh, you just worked on the fly. You started jamming and you saw what came out. Yeah. But you bring up an interesting, uh, kind of a starting point for us was, uh, using that mysterious energy that you find out there in the in the desert i mean uh, joshua tree let's face it it's uh, it's a very famous spot uh, you can read about it you can even see uh, photographs of it but uh, i think words uh, words defy the experience once you step inside the confines of uh, that part of the world there is a unusual energy that can't be denied it's really a, it's a, well we used it as as to our advantage as a uh, kind of a bolster for the creative process we found it to be kind of a cool spot well not cool at 120 degrees <laughs> <laughs> so, so how does making a record for you Talk about the differences in making a record for you like this on your own with these guys versus going in and making a record with ZZ Top when you do that. Do, does ZZ Top operate in a similar way where when, you, when you've when you gone in and made records, you just kind of jam and see where it goes? Or is it usually everybody bringing in material there? Yeah, what's I think what would the, the uh, distinguishing difference would be uh, a ZZ Top uh, outing brings along a sense of of comfortable familiarity. Uh, we go in with uh, a pretty good background of of things that have made sense in the past. What I did like was uh, balancing the challenge of tiptoeing into uncharted waters with Austin and and Matt. Um, Austin and I uh, uh, we made the assignment to. Uh, that famous backbeat, you know, Matt Sorum is a powerhouse to begin with. So I said, Austin, what do you think? He said, yeah, give it to Matt. Let, <laughs> let him start the backbeat. 
How did you get uh, first get to know Sorum? You you do some Kings of Chaos stuff, right, with him? Yes, indeed. Uh, I've known Matt, oh gosh, seemingly forever. Uh, as a follower of what he did way back with the cult, uh, Guns N' Roses, and of course, Can't Leave Out Velvet Revolver, another great uh, aggregation. Uh, and then Matt... Uh, organized this kind of jam band uh, group, which he tagged Kings of Chaos, <laughs> which it really, uh, which it really is. And if we find time to get off the road, uh, if there's a, uh, an opportunity to uh, join in that festivity, we'll, uh, we'll hit the deck uh, rather stridently. Uh, but Matt, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, a, he's, he's a great leader. And I, I really like, uh, I really like what he, uh, what he, he likes to drive that Cadillac. Yeah. He's done some, he's done some stuff people may not realize too. Like he actually played in motorhead for a short period of time. I saw he's, him do that. Oh man. Uh, I've only heard about it. Uh, and I've heard it firsthand from Matt and, uh, man, when he starts talking about his days with motorhead, he, he, he tightens up. He says, <laughs> "Oh my God, do you have to remind me?" <laughs> so that was it. Was really wild. Yeah, he said it was a, a grueling gig, and you know he had a cool band recently that Geezer Butler was in and Steve Stevens' uh, Deadland Ritual. But I think that's done. Unfortunately, I don't think that one lasted. I had them all on to promote it, but I think it's kind of you know didn't get off the mat like they hoped. Yeah, I never got to see Matt playing with uh, Motorhead. I did see uh, Deadland Ritual. Uh, we were both sharing a bill overseas. I think it was one of the big festivals in Europe, uh, which was that was also a great outing. Uh, you bring up another great player, Steve Stevens. Yeah, uh, he too joins us with uh, Kings of Chaos on occasion. It's it's <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's a cool thing. Going back to the hardware record in the back on the back of the CD, as I'm looking at it here, you dedicate the record to the memory of the late legendary producer, Joe Hardy. Can you talk a little bit about that decision and the impact Joe had on you as a musician? Oh yeah. Uh, Joe and I were, uh, became fast and furious friends from our days in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Joe was serving as one of the chief engineers at Arden Recording Studios. And um, this, I'll tell you how, we, we go back all the way to the release of Trace Hombres, which was the first, uh, it was the first excursion into that uh, interesting musical town of Memphis, Tennessee. But uh, Joe and I worked on projects that uh, would probably have been still sitting on the shelf had it not been for his uh, expertise as an engineer. He, he, he was such a forward thinker, you would, uh, you, before you could even finish a sentence, he said, yeah, I know where you're going. We've done that. What's next? Wow. Great guy. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, you've dedicated this record to him. So tell, tell me the plan now. You're going to do shows in support of hardware. You're going to go out and do shows live with this band. Is that the plan? Uh, uh, any, any port in the storm, we, <laughs> <laughs> you're ready to go. Yeah. We're standing in line with everybody else. We've been around, uh, you know, the same four walls for, uh, 
I guess you'd call it enough time. Let's get out there. <laughs> well, there's stuff happening now. I mean, there's a ton of shows and tours being announced every day. Are, do you have concrete stuff lined up to play live with this band for this year? Yeah, I've heard uh, the good word is uh, uh, finding out how to wedge in uh, uh, Billy F. Gibbons and the BFGs along with ZZ Top. The good news is I get, as long as I'm in there somewhere, I like uh, spanking the plank, as you know. <laughs> as long as you're invited to the party getting to play. And what what's the latest on the, uh, on the ZZ Top front? You guys have uh, shows lined up? Have you had some discussion about a record? Where, where are things at there? Yes, in fact, I'll be meeting uh, both uh, Dusty and, of course, Frank, the man with no beard, Beard. <laughs> uh, we'll be dusting off uh, uh, a new, well, we'll be preparing a new road show. Uh, I believe that uh, it may be as early as uh, before summer's over, we're going to be hitting the uh, touring trail. Okay, so some ZZ Top shows soon, sounds like. Some stuff yeah, like coming up. Yeah, coming up right around the corner, showing up. Yep. And Billy, you know, it's remarkable. You, you talk about ZZ Top having done this for all these decades, for more than 50 years, the same three guys. I can tell in just talking to you now, it, it's still something, getting out and playing is still something that is such a passion for you. I think a lot of people would think 50 plus years on the road and doing it, you hear from a lot of guys, I'm over it. I can't do it anymore. I don't feel like doing it. It's too much. I don't like the road. You seem to have the same vigor for it as you've always had. Is It's really still very much uh, something you love, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, and as you point out, uh, the mysteries of what descended uh, to the unsuspecting planet um, has really stirred up the interest to get back in uh being able to kick your heels up. Uh, it's all about having a good time. And that's what, uh, that's what <laughs> our aim has not changed. It's still there. <laughs> <laughs> and one final question for you. Uh, last time I think you were on my show, it was to promote the ZZ top documentary, which had just come oh. out at the time we did that's that show true. at the rainbow in that's retrospect, true. now that that doc has been out there, what are the what is the response you've heard about it from fans, and how do you feel about it now that a couple of years has passed since it came out? Well, the skeleton's out of the closet. All of our secrets are on the street now. <laughs> um, there's one um, interesting aside. Uh, what we uh, uh, what we were just uh, informed. When we when we uh, when we found ourselves revisiting one of the old honky tonks where ZZ Top got their start, uh, we set up thinking that we were just going to film uh, 30, 60 seconds of uh, a couple of songs from the early days. We wound up playing for about two hours, and the good news is the engineer had the uh, the tape machine running and uh, they are actually preparing to release a series of those recordings as a companion to that uh, documentary series. So uh, get ready. You'll hear, uh, you'll hear ZZ Top playing it as we started out five decades in the past. It'll be something. Wow, that is amazing. And it just came, came to me now thinking about the documentary. There's that great moment in it about 
the fan, the the guy who first came, the only <laughs> one guy, and he's standing. You're like, don't leave, and he still comes to see you to this day. Yeah, we still don't know his name. We just know him as the guy. <laughs> the, the guy is here. <laughs> For people that don't know, if you never saw the ZZ Top documentary, I think you can see it now. It's on Netflix or Amazon or one of those things, but it's fantastic. And there's a story there where the ver one of the first times they played, there was only one person. And I believe you say in the doc, he, he felt so awkward being the only person there that he was going to leave when you started playing. And he said, no, no, stay. And he still comes to the shows to this day. Yeah, we, we went ahead and delivered the first set. We took a break. We went out, bought him a Coca-Cola. Uh, came back and finished the show and uh, he was happy and we were happy <laughs> to this day. We look forward to seeing the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one last thing just hit me, you know, you, of course, a legendary, legendary guitar player of influence. So many, we lost a guy recently who's done the same thing, certainly in the hard rock world. And that was Eddie Van Halen. And I'm curious did you have any um, relationship with Eddie? Did you know him at all? Did you have any experiences with him? And and what were your thoughts when you first heard him play? Oh, my goodness. Uh, knew him well from the uh, very first record. And uh, he was actually, uh, uh, as it came to pass, I discovered that uh, he was a neighbor uh, very close to the house back in Los Angeles. And uh, I first heard... Uh, word, hey, man, there's there's a guy that plays some interesting guitar riffs. Uh, maybe you should get together, only to discover that uh, sitting in the record bin was the first Van Halen record. They had already picked up steam, and uh, fortunately, uh, uh, I was able to go out and, and catch a live show, and that blew my mind. I said, oh, my gosh, these guys have got it going on. I miss him dearly. Yeah, I was I was curious because obviously his guitar style is so very different than yours. But I imagine for you, it must have been like, you know, what what is this guy doing? Like, you know what? We've heard that from a lot of people, but for, for it was just, you, you know, just took the world by storm. And I would imagine that uh, you, you probably were trying to process exactly what was going on when you first heard that. Right. Yeah, we we you're right. We play uh, we play in different styles. Uh he and I used to get together because we both discovered we had a passion for Mexican food. And uh, after his passing, uh, there's not a day that goes by when I can uh, dip into a bowl of hot sauce. And uh, it's, it's kind of like a uh, kind of a revisit of uh, fond recollections of being uh, able to hang out together. It's uh, it's something else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Billy, thank you so much for the time, man. It's always great to visit with you again. Everybody check out the new record, Billy F. Gibbons hardware. It is out now. It sounds great. Just great bluesy rock music as you've brought it to us for decades and continue to do. And we look forward to some ZZ top activity and hopefully with one of these bands seeing you out there on the road soon doing uh, working your magic on the guitar. We look forward to that. Well, thank you for that. Always good to talk to you. And uh, I'll take uh, I'll take your directive. Well, uh, wherever we may be, it's going to be turned up loud. <laughs> well, that's how we like it. And that's what we expect. So thank you so much, Billy. Best of luck with the record and say hello to Matt for me. And hopefully we will see you somewhere on the road soon as things continue to open. It's a it's a great time. Like you said, like you said, it's the the de thaw if you will <laughs> and people are getting yeah, ready man. to get out there <laughs> and enjoy it so we'll look forward to seeing you out there
Cheers, man. See you around the corner. That new Billy Gibbons album is a really good sounding record, as uh, as are most of the Black Crows records, too. <laughs> we heard from Chris Robinson earlier, of course, in the podcast, and I can't wait for that tour. And Billy Gibbons, since that interview was done, has announced an expansive tour with ZZ Top. Kind of teased it a little bit in the interview, but it is uh, now fully announced. A ton of dates for ZZ Top announced just after we did that interview, as a matter of fact. So thanks to Chris Robinson. Thanks to Billy Gibbons. Thank you for listening to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thanks to Joel Pollack for putting it all together. And I will see you guys again next Thursday for another all-new episode next week. Going to be a good one, too. Jack Douglas, the legendary record producer from John Lennon to Aerosmith. His story, we got a tremendous amount of great response when that interview originally aired on Sirius XM about a week or so ago. We'll get it to you next week on the podcast. Again, please listen to me every day on Volume, Channel 106, live 2 to 4 Eastern, nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern, or on the app anytime you want to the daily show Trunk Nation here uh, or there on Sirius XM. That's where these interviews you hear originated live. And be sure to follow on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, and a fan page on Facebook. And of course, eddietrunk.com is the website. Catch you guys next Thursday or hopefully before that live on the radio. Take care. Take care.